Welcome to Just in the Nick of Time. We have a whole bunch of blocks we just figured out. We've experienced technical difficulties all day. Please stand by because there's probably going to be more. Let's get rolling with the show. Bum, 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 ba-da-dum, bum, bum, bum. Theme music pending. Um, <laughs> I've just Only a slight rip off of the NFL draft theme. Oh, was that what it was? Yes, but I added the boom at the end. Ah, uh, yeah. It's like the difference between Ice Ice Baby and uh, Under Pressure. <laughs> no, no, no. It's bum, 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 bum. Not bum 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 ba ba dum bum, bum 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 ba ba dum bum. Totally different things. Always, it's like a thirty-second measure break in there. Totally different. Right. Totally, <laughs> totally different. Oh, shout out oh. to Vanilla Ice, though. A uh, qu- quick shout out. He was planning to throw the first live concert since coronavirus in Texas, but he could not sell the one hundred tickets. For the venue. Now, Vanilla Ice will blame this on coronavirus. I'm going to blame this on Vanilla Ice. <laughs> Honestly, though, if you're at the point in your life where in 2020, you're willing to pay money to see a Vanilla Ice concert, it's probably the least of your worries at that point. Listen, I'm just glad he decided to stop, collaborate, and listen. <laughs> That's stolen off of Twitter. <laughs> there you go. But it made my day better, so <laughs> enjoy it, folks. Um, yes, I did see about Vanilla Ice. Another thing I saw about is our first block. Okay. Seamless, seamless transition there. <laughs> so, long-time listeners of the show, all four of you, will um, undoubtedly remember that I am a massive, massive Liverpool fan. And unless you live under a rock and or are in American-centric pool, you will know that there is a league that plays soccer in England called the Premier League. It contains 20 semi-rotating teams and is basically the reason I live. Um... And that league uh, started, I want to say, like in the early 1990s. And Liverpool hasn't won it since it became the official Premier League First Division after a big restructure that basically modernized the way English football works. And so we've waited. And we've waited and we've waited. And I've become a fan. I've decided it only makes sense to talk about Liverpool's story since I became a fan. If you want more, which you should get, go online and read autobiographies of former managers and players. And, uh, I don't know, buy merch so we can buy new transfers. Do that. Um, and then so, read the Wikipedia page about the Liverbird. Ah, uh, the Wikipedia page on the Liverbird is... Um, Quality. Quality. One of my Confusing. What's that? It's one of my favorite Wikipedia articles, hands down. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you, because you are a Wikipedia connoisseur, even though you're like banned from it in several <laughs> countries or something. Oh, absolutely. I don't think this IP address I'm at now is banned from Wikipedia, so I've got, I've got plans for tonight, baby. Yo! 
<laughs> Send That's the awesome. articles to the elite. <laughs> Remember, uh, we thought it was the height of comedy one time when you like took an article about the second Boer War. <laughs> deleted it all that like some grad student had like painstakingly nerded out over and like just replaced it with cookies yes and i hit publish the word and, cookies. and for one beautiful second that was the entire page before they <laughs> undid everything i had worked so hard for and banned my ip address tragic Tragic, tragic. Work so hard for you hit edit, you wrote cookies, and you waited. No, I had to see like all that text. You know how much okay. text was on that page? Probably a lot. Yeah. Because some poor teenager at Oxford was like, oh man, I know what I'm doing with my Thursday night. <laughs> Hell yeah. So anyway, I'm gonna start 2013 is about when I became a fan. And in the 2013-14 season, Liverpool was its closest that it ever got to winning a Premier League. And its star player at the time is still my favorite player of all time, Steven Gerrard. Who, like, has since has played for the LA Galaxy and now manages a somewhat bigoted soccer team in Scotland. Which is great. And, uh... But, he, but he's not the guy who bit people. That's a different guy on that team. You no, know, that's an entirely different one of my favorite former players. <laughs> no one is unproblematic. Welcome to 2020. Uh, so, <laughs> so, Steven Gerrard biffs it. Like, even as a Liverpool fan at this moment breaks my heart, it's called the slip. And it's funny. Like, he's headed after a ball. He has every right to get to, and he just falls over. <laughs> and we lose a game to Chelsea, which effectively loses us the league. And the team that beat us were Man City, who we hate. We just, we hate them. Because as much as I hate Manchester United for the storied rivalry there, I think I hate City more. Because it super annoys me that you can just roll up with a bunch of money and buy titles. Is this, does it. is this, you know, maybe emblematic of a problem in a certain American sport with a certain team that one of the co-hosts of this podcast cheers for that also drives me bananas? Is it possible that there are connections? <laughs> I don't know. What I will say is Fedway Sports Group owns Liverpool and does things the right way. Um, Debatable. Debatable? Debatable? What do you mean? <laughs> they hire players that fit the system, and those players learn to work together. It's not an all-star team. It's a soccer team. <laughs> so. Unbelievable. Apple Watch. So, what? The Apple Watch. What about Apple Watch? Oh. Red Sox cheating scandal. Oh, yeah. We still cheat. Oh, okay. So that's what you're It's not about the cheating. It's about team chemistry that I care about. Oh. Mickey Mantle used steroids. That's all I'll say about that. Oh, we're not doing this again. <laughs> I got you, like, red in the face in, like, the third grade about that. Like, you were, like, scream crying at me. Like, not my hero! Oh! <laughs> 
<laughs> it was because he had a bad knee. It was they healed his tendons, man. Uh-huh. 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 That was out there shooting up HGH for funsies, and you it know it. It was the fifties. They didn't know anything. That's what Steinbrenner wants you to think. God. So Liverpool have had, but last year, Liverpool won the Champions League, but they struggled domestically. And it's like, it was great to win a Champions League. Liverpool has won the most of any English club, something that, like, is seriously something to take pride in. Now won six. And it was great. And we all sat around and said it was great. But I knew it was always going to feel incomplete if we never won a league. So going into this year, there was a lot riding on it, I think, for Liverpool fans. Knowing that we've got this, like, 30-year curse. And if not this squad and if not this manager, like, when does the – what? Was this, like, one of those official curses, like the Bambino or the Billy Goat? Or is this just no. collective suffering no. curse? Like, nothing happened to, to, like, start the curse. But there's just been, like, two or three times where they've gotten so close and just fallen apart. Uh, and so I think a lot of Liverpool fans, and frankly a lot of soccer fans in general, said if Liverpool doesn't do it this year, who knows? And then the weirdest thing just happened that happens ever since Jurgen Klopp took over this team. We just we just started winning soccer games. Which is like strange. Because I was here during the Brendan Rodgers era. Which is like effectively the Callahan era of Liverpool. Brendan Rodgers' relaxation music tape three is an elite YouTube video. I know almost nothing about him. <laughs> I, he's, he's a memeable man. I will give you that. What is his relaxation music? Oh. I've told you about these men before, the exploding heads on YouTube. They're yes. the guys who do bad British commentary. Mm-hmm. And they, they had a recurring series called <laughs> Brendan Rodgers' relaxation music. No idea if they still hold up, but I remember being amazed. It's beautiful. All right, I'll have to look into that. But we just, like, we started winning. It wasn't like we were doing things any differently. We were just finding a way to win games because it seemed like our guys wanted it more. And then coronavirus hit. And we were, like, we were clearly going to win the league before this virus. And we're having a historic season. Like, it's very possible that they finish with the most points of any English soccer team ever. If In we the win, era or ever, ever? I think ever, ever. Like, the most points off of wins ever. Because Manchester City's record is 100. Um, from... I forget which year. They're called the Centurions. I think it was last year that they won it with 100 points. And so 
if Liverpool can win three of its four remaining games, they won today. Liverpool can win three of its four remaining games, then they'll finish with 101. Which is just, like, unfathomable. Because it's such a gulf between them and the rest of the competition. Like, when, when the Centurions won, it was like, oh, God, we'll just never catch that. There's no way. Like, even if we win a league, it's just impossible. But the fact that we're three wins against, like, eh, teams away from finishing that off is massively, massively important to the strength of the club and its future. And yet, I'm thrilled. I'm frustrated because I don't feel like there was an American reaction to this. Like, I'm, I'm sure you heard about I'm sure I told you about it. Yes. But, like, other than me, did you hear it anywhere? Did you see it anywhere? Kofi of SB Nation. <laughs> I love Kofi. <laughs> Besides I him, actually, He did an AMA, and I tweeted at him if he followed soccer and who he followed, and he tweeted back that it was Liverpool, and I was like, ah, cool. New favorite sports journalist forever. Yeah, it's a good pick. <laughs> he used to work for the uh, DC MLS team, I think. He was their mascot once. He was a mascot? <laughs> that wasn't yeah. his permanent job, but he was once asked to be an emergency mascot. <laughs> I feel like he'd be great at that. <laughs> yeah, Kofi and John Boys are a dream team. Oh, match made in heaven. So perfect for the fumble dimension. <laughs> oh. And so, yeah. I'm frustrated because I didn't see that much of an American reaction. I thought there would be because there's nothing else going on in sports. And it saddens me because soccer has been so great for me to feel normal in a really difficult time for everyone, right? It's like, I'm starting to get between soccer and Formula One, like I'm starting to get my constants back. I feel bad for the people who aren't. And I legitimately think this is a good like advertisement to pick a soccer team, pick an F1 team, get interested in international sport. Because we live in a really shaky country and a really shaky world. And a lot of those things seem safer to be fans of. I mean, in F1, everyone took a moment of silence for BLM. And all but 30% of the grid took a knee. In English soccer, like, no players are standing. They all take knees before the game. There's huge, massive anti-racism campaigns happening in both sides. And there's, like, not a team in any nation's capital who's having to change its name because of racism. Like, it's, it's a really beautiful way to enjoy sport without so much of, like, the American BS that gets piled on it. So, like, I, as someone who's been... <laughs> Like, my life has been made better because I'm a Liverpool fan. All I feel compelled to say as we celebrate this victory is join us. And if not us, go be a Tottenham fan. As much as it hurts me, go be a United fan. Go be a City fan. Go be an Arsenal fan. Because, like, this is, is nothing but joy. I never have to parse 
rarely until Luis Suarez bites someone and says some racist things. But very rarely do I have to parse morality. It is just a beautiful game and a beautiful thing to be a part of. And I wish we had more American fans. That's about all I have to say about that, honestly. You see, I would have, like, loved to watch the ending of the premiere. But for me, it was, like, Liverpool's so clearly going to win it all. But, like, that loss of drama for me, you know, personally, I can't say every, like, the same for every American since about half, half of them were probably greater than that new they were going to win the league anyways, you know? Fair. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think my big push is for next season, mm-hmm. which is really only like six weeks away at this point. Oh, really? um, the end of the Champions League is coming in August. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then the beginning of September is when we're going to start playing the next season of the Prem uh, so that this doesn't permanently like put the schedule off kilter. And so I think, yeah, I think this season's going to be so wide open for a lot of reasons. It's been a shortened, different transfer window. Lots of perennially great teams are looking rough. Lots of perennially meh teams are looking great. Um, and it's just a lot of fun to be a part of right now. I, it is just a wild, wild thing to feel hope in the middle of this moment. I wish more people could share it with me. Like, I think if all the world were Liverpool fans, like, we could get hit by an asteroid and strong. And just, like, like oh, okay, whatever. We won the league. <laughs> yeah. This team means more to me than it should reasonably mean to people. That's okay. <laughs> Football. This quote gets attributed to John Paul II. And there's, like, some contentions as to whether or not he actually said it or whether it was, like, a common saying where he was from. But football is the most important thing of all the unimportant things. And just to have something that I know doesn't matter that means the world to me right now is, like, awesome. And even if we hadn't won the league this year, like, a distraction... I certainly felt this with F1 over the weekend. We'll talk about that later. But just Mm -hmm. jumping – now is a great time to jump into these sports that have such a different feel to American sports that feel so disconnected from the daily goings-on. Like, you – as much as I think it's a dumb argument that we should get politics out of sport, you want a fairly, like, seemingly apolitical, like, world? Go watch English Premier League teams argue about Brexit. Like, that will make you feel less connected to your, like, everyday BS. And, and I seriously do think it is a less problematic ecosystem where the players are compensated more fairly. It, as much as I love college football, it is my least favorite sport to be a fan of because I know what a crapshoot it is. And over there, I feel none of that. I actually feel really proud to be a soccer fan because I, I think it brings the world closer together. I feel proud to be an F1 fan most of the time. <laughs> I'll feel better when they eventually take over Formula E and switch to electric. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's what 
foreign fans have to say. I'm not even because I'm not like foreign. I'm, I'm an American. Fans of foreign sports have to say right now is come, come join us. And I lost my transition somewhere in there, so we will use this instead. Now, <laughs> so while they're having a whole dandy over there in the foreign parts of the world, <laughs> get ready to get sad, people. The United States, like, this is how I think of it. Europe was like, way to flatten the curve, curve y'all, as a war you can watch some ball. The U.S. is like, if we don't have these things, the entire financial structure we've built things on for years is just totally screwed. So that's where we're at right now. And <laughs> I guess the domino for the sport that holds the whole crux of this show together of college football it's it's been like j jangled a bit but now we've knocked one down the ivies the ivy league has officially said we are not gonna bother with sports for the remainder of the calendar year they have not explicitly canceled any games yet well, well they've canceled every game is scheduled but they have yet to like cancel cancel them there's the possibility of remaking them in the spring if they can. So, does this fall upwards? Does this stay their course down there? We, I, I've heard this so many times over my foray into sports journalism over the past month that we just don't know yet, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think. My preface for this is that everything I'll say falls under the wild speculation we just don't know yet category. It's mm -hmm. like, who knows what this means? But, like, I reading that notification was like, okay. Well, I think I've watched Harvard Yale once. I would rather watch an XFL game. <laughs> Like, because at least an XFL game is going to have, like, aging stars desperately trying to make it and crazy people wearing strange gear in the stands. Whereas, like, Harvard and Yale is like, oh, God, is this what football was like in 1930? <laughs> like, do I think it makes everyone else look bad when they have sports? Yeah. But that was the whole Ivy League thing. It's like, oh, look, we've found another way to look snooty and better than you. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And plus, the Ivy Leagues are the rare college where, like, I mean, I'm a bit biased since I've been following college athletics my whole life. But their reputation is far more, they're far more well-known for being the academic powerhouse than any sort of athletics. Like, the first time you hear of Harvard is not because of their football team. I'll still right. say that much. So, Right. <laughs> and I think the big push to have fall athletics is football. Mm -hmm. And, like, some of those schools are kind of sometimes basketball schools. None of them are football schools. Just, Just none of them. So, do I think this says a lot about where we're at as a country? Yeah. 
do I think this says a lot about the disconnectedness between coastal elites and people out here? Yeah. Do I think it changes the calculus for me on whether or not we're going to play football? No. <laughs> not a bit. Because what does the Big Ten care? What does the SEC care? What does the Big 12 care? Not at all. Now, we can have a broader discussion if you want about whether or not we're going to play football. And that, it's even more wildly speculative for me. Yeah. Just in, Ohio State has paused all voluntary workouts following the result of its most recent COVID-19. They have not said the number of positive tests that caused them to do this. So, <laughs> Well, I don't think anybody who follows college football isn't like, expecting positive cases Mm -hmm. like if they're gonna have workouts people are gonna get sick just a question of how many and how fast yes so (laughs) yeah it just seems like we haven't had good news on the on the college football is gonna happen train in forever so like we said oh ivy league they probably don't care as much as these other conferences and schools do that's true but that was true for basketball too when they canceled their conference tournament and then two days later the whole thing was gone i know the circumstances were very different because sports much more than they are now were just a house of cards waiting for one to fall and then rudy gobert collapsed the whole thing and now we're starting to like rebuild that so <laughs> it's a little different, but like uh, well, athletic directors are going to keep this in mind when discussing. It'll come up. Absolutely. I think if, it, if it's the kind of decision that comes down to most chancellors of most schools, it won't happen. But if the negotiations come down to the conferences and to athletic directors and coaches and players, all of them want to play. Almost all of them want to play. I mean, you think about the economic cost of not having football. Those departments have to be cut if they're not bringing in money. Mm-hmm. So at the very least, like, coordinators are getting a year's worth of furlough. And- like, a lot of them just won't be paid. There's going to be a lot of schools who say, why are we paying a coach not to coach? Um, I think this is going to be devastating to smaller sports. Yeah. has already announced 11 lesser revenue sports have been just cut already. Cut forever. Yes. From Stanford which is a wealthy, wealthy college. Yeah, I don't know. I think that they're going to play in some capacity. I'm going to be straight with you. I think a lot of people are going to get sick. I think some people are going to die. And that sucks. I hate that. And it makes me question whether or not I'll want to watch these games and whether or not I think we should cover them. Because we're going to sacrifice people on the altar of college football. 
been doing that for years because of the mental health cost on these players of a system that, that profits from them without actually giving them anything. We've thrown lives away to that. We've thrown lives away in all levels of football to the high school level, to CTE and, and co- profoundly bad concussions. And what this virus is doing is making us all sit there and say, on, on all of the cracks in our society, on all of the injustices that we put up with every day, it's a stress test on all of those things. And it forces all of us to say, am I okay with this? Am I willing to be complicit in this? I don't know that I have my answer yet because I love college football. And if they're playing games, even if it's only on TV, I'm going to feel really compelled to watch. But I'm also going to feel really crappy about it when people start to get sick. You can't socially distance linemen. There's no way. Do I want to try to transition to that into something more lighthearted? God, I don't know. Do we have any other college football thoughts before we put this sucker to bed? Because I just don't want to deal with it anymore. Um. Not like on the field news, but sort of Nebraska football news. Uh, if you've been missing on playing as Nebraska football in a video game, well, you'll get your chance again in Madden 21. In, in the story mode, you can choose of one of 10 colleges to play your junior and senior playoff seasons, not regular seasons at. And Nebraska is one of the 10. To have signed off at 21. We're going to win daddies in virtual worlds again. Yes. That's awesome. This sucks. I'm going to have to buy Madden 21 in a new console. Shit. Okay. 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 Now he, let's rein this all in. You can only play as it in the story mode, right? Yes. Only in the story mode. And only for, I believe, two, two, maybe even four games if they do full playoffs both of those years. So. This is tragic. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we think with the new player agreement that, like, NCAA 21 isn't far behind, right? Um, it probably won't be 21, but it will happen, you know, do we before think 25. 20? Like 22, 23, 24. I'd, I'd bet 23, 24-ish because there's okay. a lot of paperwork and stuff that would need to be signed and, you know, the whole process of actually making the game, which takes a while. Well, not for those games. They're just Madden ripoffs. <laughs> it didn't used to be this way. NCAA football actually, I felt like, used to be better than Madden. Oh, especially 14. 14 was... Yeah, they picked a good year to go out on. Mm-hmm. Watch them make a really good first one that just blows Madden out of the water and wait until 24 to release it. But 10 years without us, here it is. We're back. 
but this is EA we're talking about. We're going to get a recolored, recoded Madden the first year, and then we'll get something that they maybe put effort into next year. That's fair. But I think if they're really only making a recolored, recoded Madden, they know that people don't want to wait for it. So they'll rush that paperwork as fast as it'll go. Yeah. Like, that's what I think we're getting for the first one, at least, is they'll rush something out just to say they have it, and people go, we'll be happy because it's finally there. And then the next year is when they'll actually effort this thing. <laughs> or maybe never. Or maybe not. Because it's EA. And who knows? Oh, yay. Well, that is good college football-related news. In other football-related news, Patrick Mahomes got paid. Yes, he did. Oh, contract. But if he makes – he gets every incentive, will be over half a billion dollars. And this is a man who has played three seasons in the NFL. Granted, they have been arguably the most productive three, first three seasons of any NFL quarterback's career, but the Chiefs are taking one ginormous gamble with this risk because <laughs> they barely have enough money to sign any other player. <laughs> if he gets hurt, he still gets $140 million. Of that like guaranteed if he gets hurt, he could he could get hurt week one, and career end an injury and, and walk away getting paid 140 million for it. And he's loaded anyway, like the high V ads. State Farm. He's making, he's making a killing off of all that crap. <laughs> if you play endorsements right, you're set for life. Even if you're, like, Johnny Rogers. Like, that guy is still doing, like, infomercials. Oh, he's, he's been advertising car dealerships, like, my right. whole life. Yeah. Ones I would never go to. Unless you get a chance to meet Johnny the Jet Rogers. This That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I'd, I'd probably buy a car from him, too, just because I feel bad. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. It's just a lot of money. Yeah, it's... And, like, like, this is a salary cap sport, too. It's not like baseball where this is 100%, like, free market stuff. No, I don't think it's 100% baseball, but a lot more so than the NFL. And they still have this number available to pay a a player in the NFL, which is Which makes you... It makes you think that, like, he must have been trying to leave. I, I think that, you know, this was the year to get it done, definitely, because COVID, in one way or another, is going to mess up the cap. So, so if, if you want to get paid, now's the time to do it. And Mahomes has all the leverage in that situation because I don't think he – he'd be serious about leaving, but just the mere thought of it would be enough to make Kansas City's ownership sign any paperwork, that, like sign any contract he pitched to them, basically. Right. So, yeah, his agent did mad work to get that <laughs> on the table. Yeah. It's like richest contract in sports history. 
which is crazy in a salary cap sport. You're absolutely right. Yes. Do you think this actually sets the Chiefs up for success? I think as long as they've got him back there, you know, anything's possible, especially if he keeps improving. Like, But it's going to be hard to keep that whole offense together. They've already proven they don't really need a defense to win a Super Bowl. That defense last year was, you know, bottom 10 in a heck of a lot of metrics when you measure right. NFL defenses. So my concern is just the receivers. Sammy Watkins has said he's, he'll agree to a pay cut and resign, But, yeah, just keeping the band together with him is going to be really hard. So I think there is a definitely a really good chance for success, you know, if they keep everything together. But I think that the minute something goes wrong, this is going to be a very hard thing to fix because you're paying him so much of your team's allowed money each year. Yeah. Formula One. <laughs> we picked the weirdest day in the world to cover Formula One. We just have. Because, in theory, nothing's happening today. In reality, everything has just happened and is also about to come to pass. Formula One is in the rigging twilight zone right now like i don't even it is it is the like sport beyond time right now so we did a season preview months ago i don't even remember when i was australian was supposed to be march early march i think we were supposed to go racing yeah i i think that was our last episode before the pandemic nope episode which caused us to be in this break was when we did the F1 preview. Right. Because we almost did that race. Like, until two McLaren people tested positive the morning of the race. Or was it the morning of Quali? I don't remember. Regardless, we are now back. And if you want to go listen to that season recap again, just eliminate all of the... What would it be? Eliminate every time we say ale, and we'll give you a perfect prep for the Austrian Grand Prix, um, which just happened this last weekend. So to recap it, going in from winter testing and from everything we saw leading up to Melbourne, it was very clear Mercedes were going to be good again this year. Mercedes have a new system called DOS, which is an acronym I don't remember, but basically... DOS, we've talked about this on the show, right? Yes. Yeah, but briefly, DOS is like, it changes the camber of the tires to change how they act on straightaways and on corners. So in straightaways, the driver pulls them back, and it's either positive, I think it's, it gives the tires more negative camber, which would be like moving your toes from like a V-shape when you're skiing to like a, like a, a perfect French spy formation. Um, and gives them more speed on the straightaways without sacrificing any speed in the corners because they can move them back to gain more traction and create more surface area with the ground on the tires. Which is like a stupid fix and seems like it should be illegal. But the FIA, the governing body of motorsport in Europe, has said it's cool. So it's cool. Um, uh, during qualifying... 
or after qualifying, Red Bull lodged a panel lodged a complaint saying, "Hey, these guys suck and shouldn't be able to do this." <laughs> and very quickly, Mercedes won that case with the FIA because they'd already pre-cleared DAS. So now, because they've all had months to create their version of it, next week, now that they all know it's legal, a bunch of teams are going to roll out their DAS systems. And, uh, and we're going to see how well other people can make shift to Mercedes hack, which is going to be a lot of fun. So the first two races of the season are, in, are the Austrian Grand Prix at the Red Bull Ring in Austria. And the Styrian Grand Prix, which is the region of Austria that they're in, at the Red Bull Ring. In Austria. Austria. <laughs> uh, the next race will then be in Hungary, and then we go to Silverstone in England for the British Grand Prix and the Formula One Anniversary Grand Prix, because it's been like 70 years in Formula One or something crazy like that. It better be 75, because 70 years does not warrant a celebration race. I'm, I'm very stingy with stuff like this. It might be... I don't remember exactly what anniversary it is. It's some anniversary this year of Formula 1. Um, as far as later in the season, the calendar isn't totally set yet, because we don't know where's going to be a hot spot and where isn't. Um, but it seems like a lot of the races this year are going to happen in Europe. It sounds like there might be a Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort. It sounds like there might be three Italian Grand Prix at Modena, Monza, and Imola. I know none of those places. Monza's the big one that looks like a shoe. The big circuit. Oh, okay. It looks kind of like a sock, almost. I'll, I'll probably recognize the courses. Like, I just don't know. Like, are those the city names they're in? Because I've never heard of them. No, they're all track names. Oh, okay. Uh, we might get a Grand Prix in Portugal. We um, will almost certainly not have a U.S. Grand Prix this year. We will almost certainly not have a Canadian one. It's possible they can go to Mexico. It's unlikely they can go to Brazil. Um, we'll also race in the Middle East. So at some point, it sounds like Bahrain and um, the United Arab Emirates in Abu Dhabi are still on the table. Anyway. Let's talk about how this last weekend went. Going into it, the whole DAS thing happened. Um, I'm going to cut to the race so that this block isn't eternal. <laughs> um, but Lewis Hamilton was supposed to be second. He set the second bestest time in qualification. But he then lost. He got a five-second penalty. Or maybe it was just like a two-place grid penalty. No, it was five seconds. I watched the highlights ten minutes before we started potting. So, oh, did you watch the race highlights or the quality highlights? Oh, oh, the race highlights. I, I had to work during okay. the race. So you're jumping ahead. You're jumping ahead. There's another oh. spoiler alert. There's another Hamilton penalty later on. So Hamilton gets, I think, a two place grade penalty and ends up in fourth place instead of second. Um, which is like. Not ideal if you're Lewis Hamilton, particularly because this is like not a circuit that he's done particularly well at in the past. So the race begins. All right, you saw the highlights. Yes. How many DNFs do you think there were? Oh, oh gosh. I think only like 12 people finished. So that'd be like eight DNFs. 
Nine. I got that flipped off. Flipped around. Nine. Oh. <laughs> 11 people finished the race. The only team to have a car that finished the race that didn't get in the points. Wait, car that finished and they get any points. Um, Williams? Williams. <laughs> Who legitimately looked better than last year, but at this point, better than last year means like one second off the pace instead of two and a half seconds consistently off the pace. Um, so that's cool. Uh, they outqualified much of the field, and then they would have probably had somebody finish in the points except for he had a technical error and became one of those nine DNFs. Um, lots of people having technical errors. I think that's going to be a, like, touchstone of this season just because of, like, they can't go back to the factories this week and totally fix the cars the way they'd like to. They're all stuck in Austria and then immediately have to go to Hungary for a race there. So it's going to be, it's going to be weird. Um, another thing to remember going into next week is that the curbs in Austria, these like red and white striped, striped things on the side are massive, but it's much faster to drive on them and abuse your car than it is to drive on the actual tarmac. Um, because you can take the best line and still maintain a very high speed. Mm-hmm. But this beats the crap out of the cars. Many of the parts inside the cars, including like important fuel gauge sensors and things, are like super, super fragile. So even though Mercedes on track finished 1 2 and in reality finished 1 4, um, those sensors almost broke in the Mercedes cars and forced them not to finish the race, which would have been the first double DNF since the 1950s for Mercedes. Ooh. Yeah, wouldn't that happen? That would have been fun. Wouldn't that have been fun? Yes. Um, I, I so, thought it was fun to only one podium, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as rock stars from this race in particular, McLaren did great. One of my favorite drivers, Lando Norris, landed himself on the podium. By uh, default. By, by default because of uh, Hamilton's five-second grid penalty. Uh, Charles Leclerc, oh, I forgot. Let's talk about Ferrari and how much they suck butt this year. Oh, my God, they're terrible. Oh, my God. I could, uh, I could go on and on about just how painful it's been. But, like, their car looks like it's rightfully a midfield car. And they just happen to have a really good, really talented, really driven young driver in one of their seats. Um, Charles Leclerc had no business being in second in this Grand Prix and somehow drug himself to it. So more power to him and to the whole Ferrari apparatus for, for making that happen. But during qualifying in, in the first, um, in Q1, the first round of qualifying, only the fastest 10 cars make it through. And Leclerc is clearly pushing the car as hard as it will possibly go. He gets across the line and immediately says, are we safe? Are we safe? And they say, yes, Charles, P10, you're in P10. Just barely scraping it into the next round of qualifying. And I think he said, quote, holy jeez. <laughs> how, how did this happen? <laughs> like, it is such a head scratcher how you can be the clear, clearly the second best team last year and lose this much pace 
out of nowhere. Now, there's some clear reasons for it. Last year, they were pretty pretty much cheating. They were using a different form of fuel in- injection, which was changing the mix of the fuel, which was illegal. Uh, and that's when they started winning races last year, and then the second the FAA cracked down on them, they started losing races again. So, uh, how that happens. What's that? It's funny how that happens, you know? Yeah, weird. How when you, you're forced to stop cheating, you, you, start, stop you start losing. Yeah. Um, McLaren looked great. Vettel uh, crashed. What's that? Vettel crashed in the race. Oh, that guy's like, I am like, actually excited to get him the hell out of this sport. Like, every time I see Vettel on screen, I think of that man shakes fist at cloud thing from The Onion. Like, that is his role in the whole sport right now, is just to be grouchy. It's depressing. Um, and but, then there was another... So, I don't think we talked about Brazil last year, although it was a super fun, awesome race. Uh, but last year in Brazil, Alex Albon came around a corner... He's one of the two Red Bull drivers. He comes around the corner, gets almost a full car length in front of Lewis Hamilton, and Lewis Hamilton shoves the MFR off the track. And Lewis gets like a five-second penalty, which puts him off the podium. But now Alex, who was just about to pass him to get onto the podium, is now in like 10th place last year. Well, this year... Alex comes around a corner, one of the best overtaking opportunities on the track, and he is a full car length ahead of Lewis. In what I would say is probably a pretty evenly matched car this year. Like, Red Bull looked good, not in quality pace, but in race pace against Mercedes, they look good. And on high downforce circuits, they're going to look really good. And Lewis pushed him off the track again. And Alex said, what I think is the greatest crystallization of my thoughts on Lewis Hamilton ever. What a sore loser, man. <laughs> like Hamilton is not like, he's so obsessed with winning this, this title to pull him. I, it's either even, a, even or ahead of the last record holder for most individual titles. <sighs> and boy, I don't know. And as much as he's on the right side of racial justice right now, he still looks like the bad guy on track. I would love to see someone other than Lewis Hamilton, even if it's Valtteri Bottas, and even if Mercedes win the constructors, I would just love more than anything to see someone other than Lewis Hamilton win it this year. Well, Um, competition next year for sure, as... uh... Like two days after the race, somebody. Oh, thank you for the segue. I almost yeah. I was confused. <laughs> I. <laughs> you know how Michael Jordan went to play baseball for a while. Yep, took had a cup of coffee in the minors. <laughs> yeah, pretty much how F one drivers treat treat IndyCar. Um, which is what Fernando Alonso said he was going to do when he left McLaren. He left McLaren when they had a totally different power unit and a totally different team structure. Now, one day I will regale you all with the tale of Fernando Alonso and his 
malarkey. But I'll spare you with that uh, today. Just know he's a hotshot driver who's driven for McLaren, Ferrari, and Renault in the past and burned what we thought was every bridge at all of those places forever. Uh, he is the stereotypical Formula One driver. To best explain him, I point you to the Italian car from Cars uh, because that is pretty well his vibe, except that he is Spanish instead. Um, he is the quintessential Formula One driver mentality, which is, I am the greatest. This machine is a tractor. You can do nothing to, to make me better. <laughs> But I will drag you to glory, so help me God. Uh, why Renault has decide, decided to bring this upon themselves now is beyond me. But smart people tell me there are several competing theories. The first is that bringing in a big driver after losing Daniel Ricciardo to McLaren is huge for team morale. Bringing in a former driver that people there are proud of is big, and he is the last driver to win a constructors championship with um, with Renault, and then proceeded to do nothing of import after that. I mean, he had some good seasons with Ferrari, but mostly had big cheating scandals about Crashgate and stuff. I. My prognosis, as a casual fan, I think he's more trouble than he's worth. I think he wants back in to be able to see. I like Fernando Alonso. Like, I think he has a cool legacy. It honestly makes me a little sad that he's coming back to, like, burn more bridges. Mm -hmm. I would have much rather seen him stick at it in IndyCar and win the Indy 500, which would have been the last leg of the Triple Crown of Motorsport for him. Um... But it will be – I will have, like, a morbid roadkill-esque fascination with what happens to Renault because I just don't see them getting back on the podium with this car and with this lineup of drivers. If I were the Renault higher-ups, I clearly am not, but if I were, I would have taken what is probably the hottest commodity in F2 right now, Guan Yu Zhou. Yep, he was in the video explainer I watched about this on the F1 channel, which featured, I kid you not, two guys standing in front of a little cardboard square wallboard thing that had pictures with thumb, pictures thumbtacked to it. And I think we should replace every single sports news graphics department with that. They're like... <laughs> Did you send me this explainer? Oh my yes. god, it's so beautiful! They, they point up here. Here's Alonzo. Alonzo and Renault. They want Joe to be in there because he's the hottest in F2. But there's also Vettel up here and, I don't know, Valtteri Bottas. I, I don't know. I, I forgot the driver they're pointing to. I'm just naming words. So, If you knock that bucket over, so help me. Um, <laughs> yeah, like horses again. That's awesome. Uh, I love that. I think that's exactly how I would describe driver transfers, too. The thing that is kind of a bummer about this is that it closes the carousel. You know, like how when the, the last coach gets, like, hired from the NFL, it, like, closes the coaching carousel? Mm -hmm. We're pretty much done now. Unless Haas 
well, okay, there's a few things that could happen. Williams could get sold uh, to new owners who don't like their current drivers. Probably Nicholas Latifi, who bought his way onto the team. <clears throat> um, Haas could leave the sport or decide to get rid of either of their drivers who are not doing a super great job, but they also don't have a good car right now. Ferrari could decide to Ferrari could decide to place somebody else in one of their spots that is currently held open for them at Alfa Romeo. Um, who would be alongside Kimi Raikkonen. The person who's currently there is named Antonio Giovinazzi, who's fine, but not good. Uh, and Red Bull could always shake, shake things up because it's Red Bull, and who the hell knows what's going to happen next with Red Bull because it's Red Bull. Other than that, the carousel should be closed. So as far as this weekend goes, it's not like I have to explain the track to you because you watched it last weekend. Um, but it should be a really, really fun race. I encourage um, American fans to get into it. F1 is actually um, on F1 TV and also on ESPN Live. Um, and it will be Best like... ESPN shown in, in bumps. Did you watch the Grand Prix? Oh, I couldn't. I had to work. Sad day. Do you work Sunday? Morning? No. I assume it's the same time. Nice! 8.05 Central Time! Get Yay. ready! <laughs> Bright and early. I will be, I will be working, uh, but, um, but I'm going to try and track the race as it goes along. And if I miss anything, I'm going to catch it up later, which is what I did this weekend. And honestly, I don't feel... I'm to the point of span where I don't feel like I'm being cheated when I see who's won, and then I go back and watch it later. Yeah, because uh, I was watching. I, I knew the podium results. I got the notification on my phone. And as I'm watching just the highlights, I'm like, how the hell did Lando podium? And then eventually he like, had this overtake at lap like 70. Right. And I'm like, there we go. <laughs> that last lap was insane. So there's a button on the cars that makes them go like a little bit faster that you're really not supposed to hold in that long called the overtake button. Did they that's, cover that? That's my favorite thing about this sport is that you have a literal Mario Kart mushroom. <laughs> and he just spams that thing the entire last lap. <laughs> oh, God, it was fun. So watch F1 this weekend, folks. It's going to be a really exciting season. I think it's very possible that it causes huge shakeups that, that last, the effects last a long time. Um, now's the perfect time to get into F1 as an American fan, too. Baseball. There's your transition, suckers. <laughs> Fight me. The, the owners wanted a season, and so shall it be written, so shall it be done, according to Rob Manfred. Um, they're going to try to do a go of it, 60 games, with technically three divisions, if you look at it in a way. Um, it's going to be weird. I, it will happen, I don't know, but if it does, it's going to be weird. Like, <laughs> So I hesitate to do like a whole base, baseball preview because I don't think we're prepared. No. And I don't think it's, it's going to happen. Like, <laughs> I think it might start and then stop again. What I don't see from any of these leagues, except maybe the NBA, 
are solid protocols for what happens when somebody gets sick. Because somebody getting sick is an inevitability at this point. So unless you can tell me here's what happens in this order and why, I just don't buy it. Yeah, the MLB just completed its first round of testing today. And that's after numerous complaints that teams, hey, we don't have enough tests. So they spent too much time arguing over, you know, what the season should be. They forgot the whole, you know, we're in a pandemic part of it and are just trying to study the night before the test. (laughs) And with safety protocols, you know, that's not the right way to go about things. (laughs) It's another really bad look for the uh, American sports ecosystem. I think the NBA might pull it off. I'll be really surprised if anybody else gets anything off the ground. I don't, I mean, maybe we'll have an NFL if they bubble, but you'd almost have to bubble them now in case there's a second spike. But the thing with the second spike is, like, unless the virus change, changes, I worry saying this, but, like, how much worse can it get than what's now? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a legitimate argument. I think if things open and the virus doesn't change, I think if, because we're seeing things spike now as things slowly reopen, I think we're going to see even more of that if they stay open and as the weather gets colder. But I don't know. But if now is not enough for them to say, whoa, let's hold our horses a bit. Like, what's it going to look like? You know? Yeah, and to be fair, the cases have really just started to tick back up substantially in the last week or so. So maybe they're crossing their fingers and saying if things go back down in the next couple of weeks, but that seems unlikely. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to get it done. I think if they do, there's going to be a huge cost to somebody. But there's huge costs if they don't. This could cost us full sports leagues. Like if the MLS doesn't play, they could never. They could possibly never recover. They're starting tonight, so we'll. See. Yeah, we'll see. FC Dallas will not be with them, but more power to FC Dallas. Like I think I'm. So this is what's going to happen with college football, is there's going to have to be individual teams making individual decisions about whether or not they want to play, and like, good. I respect any team that doesn't want to play. I'm happy if they do, but I think it's stupid to jeopardize the health and life and limb. All right. I think the truck is pulling up. So I got to get out of here. Um, Unless you had anything else. No, not really. Let's, I think we'll probably continue some more foreign sports going forward because as I've learned in my month and a half year of, you know, journalism for American sports. Uh, I feel like the stories are starting to get a bit repetitive of, we just don't know yet. You know, we're right. We'll, we'll do what we can when we know more. So <laughs> I'd like to not talk in circles about that too much. So when, yeah. when we have news, we'll report it. But until then I'd say expect more randomness and ex- 
Like this was more Beautiful of a catch. randomness that you should embrace. Yes. So expect foreign sports and then just random B and D blocks. So I have stuff to talk about too. So sounds good. All right. See you later, man. Thanks yeah. for listening, folks. Yep.